Well, unfortunately, what our government tends to do keeps making it more and more and more expensive to grow food. Here in this country, here in Washington State specifically, actually, right now, uh, we, we need to tackle some stuff actually that the feds uh, have done of late. Welcome back to the Farming Show here on KGMI. Good Saturday morning to you. I am Dylan Honkoop with Whatcom Family Farmers and Save Family Farming. So wh- what's this all about? What, wh- how is government making growing food more expensive yet again? Well, um, this has to do with labor and the cost of harvesting and, and uh, harvesting fruit uh, and other things. Uh, and running a farm and, and producing food here in Washington. We've talked about it a lot. There's this false narrative that activists have put out that there is no labor shortage, but we know that it absolutely is true. There's an extreme labor shortage in farming in Washington State. It continues to get worse every year, and that is one of the big reasons why people... Our farms are needing to get help from elsewhere because there just aren't the people around here willing to do the work, able to do the work that needs to get done on farms to, you know, grow food. So guest workers, you know, folks who live in another country, but want to sign up and say, hey, yeah, I could use to make a lot of extra cash that could change my life. I will sign up for a contract to go work for X number of months in wherever. In this case, we're talking about Washington State to help harvest some food or do other jobs on farms and then go back home it's on paper it's a great thing for those folks it's more hassle more expense for farms and it continues to get more and more expensive unfortunately oftentimes it's kind of the the only option farms are faced with to get the the folks needed to get things done joining me right now with wafla uh, an organization that we've talked with multiple times about this issue and specifically about the H2A guest worker program is their uh, new CEO, uh, Enrique Gastelum. Welcome to the program this morning, Enrique. Thanks for being here. And, and you know, I want to get into more of the background of how all this works. But first, explain what's going on with this new rule, the, the feds changing the rules, updating the rules, as they say, and they've been working on it for a few years, updating the rules for this guest worker program. What did they do? Yeah, good morning, Dylan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, happy Saturday out there to the ag community. Um, yeah, so these new rules are an update to the last version of the H-2A rules, which had been in place since 2010. Um, during the Trump administration, the Trump administration's Department of Labor picked up uh, the baton to start taking a look at the uh, H-2A rules that had been in place for quite some time. Uh, They were looking at ways to, you know, obviously there's uh, nobody's trying to disparage workers or not take care of workers. And so there were a few things there. They were looking to clean up on the worker end, but then there was also a, a lot of balancing being looked at on ways that they could help farmers, uh, the employers of these guest workers, um, lower the costs, lower the bureaucratic uh, paperwork, the, the red tape uh, that it takes to do this program and, and make it much more efficient to use. Because as you said in your opening there, uh, we do not have domestic workers available to do our labor-intensive seasonal agricultural work needed here 
all over the Pacific Northwest in the United States. I mean, there was something that just came out from employment security in our state uh, last week, uh, an announcement that um, they were patting themselves on the back, that they helped place a whopping 11 domestic workers for the nearly 34,000 available H-2A positions in the state of Washington. And so 11 out of 34,000. That's nuts. Just for our state. Just in Washington. Crazy. So the narrative that there's all these workers and people ready and willing and able and clamoring to come do this work is just, it's it's not true. Right. Um, And that was a, you know, the the pat on the back was that was a major increase of 1100% over the prior year. Because the prior year, it was zero. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so, I mean, I guess if you're going on percentages, you know, everybody would love to have that success rate. But when we're looking at straight, uh, if we're looking at uh, the numbers, uh, 11 uh, is still alarming. And the state has to study that number, or or I guess not. it's not a study per se, but it's, it's an attempt to find workers as part of using this this H-2A program, yeah, right? And employers are, have the onus there as well to find anybody who might be available here locally so their jobs aren't displaced. Yeah, uh, an employer that enters into this program, uh, you are, it is meant to be a U.S. domestic worker projection program. So there's many things in it, but when it comes to recruitment, not only once you uh, get your labor certification from Department of Labor that says, yes, you're approved for the seasonal leave. Yes, you've given enough backup documentation showing that you have a need. You can start recruiting your foreign workers. You're also uh, mandated, you know, your jobs get posted federally. They get posted with employment security statewide. You're also required to do some local recruitment through newspapers, other ways in your region. And um, you have to do that up until 50% of the contract. So even if your contract has started, you are still actively have recruitments out there and you have to entertain any willing, able, um, qualified candidates that would be U.S. domestic workers that come knocking on your door and says, hey, I see you have these jobs available um, and you need to do due diligence and evaluate that. But, yeah, only 11 were placed this last year. So, um, this, this, yeah, so obviously this program is much needed. But so I was getting back, you know, Trump administration picked up the baton to try and rewrite these rules. There was a lot of, um, you know, from the employer uh, uh, advocate side, employee advocate side, a push to have some changes to the rules. And there appeared to be some provisions in there that would have assisted, at least on the employer front, to make it more cost effective, a little bit more efficient. Um, But uh, we had a change in administration. Then we rolled over to the Biden administration and in 2020. And when they picked it up, they basically scrapped the Trump rule and um, uh, began rewriting it re-released a version in 2021 there was a short period of public comment and then the uh rule that is in effect now and will go into effect with um workers arriving february 13th of 2023 and into the future uh in essence i would say double down on the employee protection portions Mm -hmm and basically stripped any and all things that may have been good for employers um, and really doubled down on 
um, making it much more difficult for um, uh, farm labor contractors that have been an integral part in supporting a lot of our smaller ag businesses or ag businesses that haven't been able to support workers. Um, it's really gone on to shine a very bright enforcement light on that group, a subsection of our industry. It has gone on the attack, I believe, against small growers that have, you know, worked very hard and invested a lot in trying to utilize and access the H-2A program. It has, uh, it's going to make it much more difficult for them Um those that have uh, gotten on in what's called joint employment contracts, and we can dive into that a little bit more. Um, it's created liability for any growers that are partnering up on contracts um, in that if there's a HJ contract violation or an issue with wage and hour at one farm, uh, everybody else on that contract with you, let's say there's five or six farms that are all you know, sharing resources to bring workers all up together, share housing, you know, um, uh, share the work. Uh, you know, I need them for two weeks. You need them for two weeks. Somebody else needs them two weeks. And then the workers go back. We are all now possibly liable for any and all violations that may occur at another farm's work site. Um, and then the last piece. It's crazy being, to me, by the way. I oh, just, it's, like, it's, it's, it's like saying if if you're farming and a farmer breaks, a say a farmer violates a, a pollution rule, well, then all of the neighbors need to get fined too, even though it wasn't their own fault. I mean, it's, that just makes no sense. Exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> anyway, you're, you're, you're sharing an irrigation ditch three miles down the road. Right. right? Why is it your uh, yeah. fault if you did everything? <sighs> anyway, I interrupted <laughs> yeah. again. My apologies. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's created quite a bit of concern there. A couple of other things where it came out pretty hard on was because housing is one of the, I would say it's probably the um, first largest financial and structural obstacle to using the H2 program because a farmer has to provide free and clear safe housing for their workers. Um, some people have leaned on public accommodation, transient accommodation locations like hotels and motels in their areas. Um, and this has been a great business relationship amongst the farmers um, and these hotels, motels were maybe um, particularly during COVID when um, tourism was down, uh, movement of just U.S. visitors was down. This was a way where hotels, motels could contract with farmers to house H-2A workers um, and, you know, structures and, and, and give them a place to live and sleep while they're working on these U.S. contracts. Yeah. Well, now there's going to be even much more high scrutiny on those locations in that they have to meet um, some very strict farm worker housing provisions. And, you know, basically coming in and saying, well, even if you didn't build your hotel motel like a farm worker housing unit would be built, we're still going to put some um, very stringent rules and regulations on that. And, um, you know, a very extreme example, we had our Oregon conference down in Salem uh, in November, very nice, beautiful hotel. Um, but because the window did not open to the outside, um, we would not have been able to house HPA workers in this beautiful, very well lit, that's, uh, that's hotel. Insane. Right, right. So, um, you know, it's missing a screen on there and stuff like that. And so just things like that, uh, hotel motels are going to be highly scrutinized, which is completely, you know, 
yeah, if if there was sort of a, a, you know, hey, you have two years to sort of um, figure this out, um, yeah, that might buy people some time. But this is stuff that's coming now, and yeah. people only have months, and particularly growers that have been utilizing this uh, very uh, needed H2A program for three, four, five years. They've built their operations around this guaranteed labor supply, right? Mm -hmm. They've relied upon these hotels, motels that they've had these relationships with. And now there's going to be this very serious concern of if I cannot house my workers in these hotels, motels, where do I put them? When with we've seen in the United States, inflation, you know, during and post COVID has just gone through the roof. Construction materials are high. Labor is high. You know, you used to be able to build a bed for, Eleven to fifteen thousand dollars per bed per worker. Now you're easily easily in the fifteen to twenty thousand dollar range, right? And mm-hmm. where does somebody come up with that capital? And you know, and and so so housing regulations are going to be going to be highly regulated. So that's sort of how we got to where we're at right now. There's some legal challenges occurring at the federal level with the National Council of Agricultural Employers of who Waffle is on their executive committee and we also you know voted with the committee to do a legal challenge audit on some procedural um, possible missteps that the Biden administration made related to the um, Administrative Procedures Act but um, it's it's a very low percentage of a win but we've got to do whatever we can to try and stop these rules so um, we won't know um, if there is a possible stop until there's a hearing in front of a um, district court, a federal district court judge in D.C., probably later in January. So we are counseling our membership and anybody using the H-2A plan as if the rules are going into effect. Um, but there could be this low chance this legal challenge wins. There could be a pause to that. So, yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, ne- definitely not good lose. I remember when I read the four to 500 pages of text related to the new rules. It was, it was about a gut punch as you were seeing department of labor's commentary go on and on about why they were making certain decisions about proposals in there. And every time you saw an employer advocate or an employer themselves or an association like Waffle submit public comment saying, look, can you please consider this to take down this barrier? It's an antiquated part of the rule or, can you help um, allow staggering of workers during the year, which isn't currently allowed, or maybe extend a, a long uh, an employer that's in good standing with DOL has never had violations. Let them have a certification for two years or three years to you know minimize the cost of the applications filings. Right. Anytime an employer um, offered suggestion to make the program more positive, it was just shot down by DOL. Well, we're hearing you, but <laughs> we're not going to do that. Right. We need to double down on the worker yeah. enforcement and stuff. And, and, um, but we still continue to see the use of the program skyrocket nationally. And here in the state of Washington, I just looked at our 2022 numbers. I mean, we jumped, I think, uh, about 5,000 workers from 2021 up to 2022. So wow. it's, yeah, yeah. Enrique Gastelum is with us right now. He is CEO at Wafla, um, talking about the new federal uh, updates, changes um, to the H-2A guest worker program rules. 
Um, we're just about out of time, but real quick, you know, with you joining and you came to Wafla from uh, the Washington State Farm Bureau, talk about joining the team there. And, and I guess even as a better starting point for folks who don't know what Wafla is all about. Yeah. What, what does Wafla do? Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I had spent the last 14 years working for the Washington Farm Bureau in their, um, uh, farm safety program, helping consult with businesses. That's how I originally got started at Farm Bureau. And then the last uh, decade, I've been the chief financial officer there, helping oversee the brick and mortar side of the business. And But I've always had a passion for tracking labor stuff. And so when it came time for Dan Fazio uh, to retire, who was the originator of Waffle and the one and only CEO, um, I did see there was some big shoes to fill there. But they had um, him and his staff and their board and the membership had created a very great thing um, at Waffle, who it became the acronym of Washington Farm Bureau, uh, Washington Farm Labor Association. But as Waffle has grown over the last decade, it's we serve growers in Oregon, Idaho, very uh, strategically positioned across the Pacific Northwest. But then we also have some farms nationally that we assist with. And we basically serve as a quarterback, a facilitator for farmers, um, seasonal employers, landscapers, even hotels uh, that need guest workers to bring safe uh, uh, workers safely to the United States legally um, to support these businesses in utilizing this guest worker program. So we assist the employers with understanding their legal obligations, how to file the applications. Uh, we work with professional recruiters in international countries, predominantly Mexico, but more and more coming from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, um, even South Africa, depending on what types of job skills they need. So we help facilitate all of that. We help make sure the workers are transported safely to the United States, get here. Um, we work with the employers to evaluate their housing to make sure it meets standards, best practices sharing, um, and then make sure the workers go home safely at the end of the day. But all of it surrounds, and, you know, Waffle is a nonprofit. Uh, we're membership organization based and driven board of directors of our own growers and um, just out to to really help people access and navigate this very complex H2A program. And with the recent, uh, you know, not passing of the um, Farm Worker Modernization Act up yeah. to the U.S. Senate, um, uh, I think we're back to square one on the immigration <laughs> front, which means the H2A program is not going anywhere. And it even means it's that much more vital um, for people that are, are using it or possibly want to use it for it to be something that's workable. And, you know, one last piece on, on costs yeah. that I didn't touch on, which is a high one is our runaway adverse effect wage rates and prevailing wages Yes, in the yeah. state of Washington. This new rule lowered the statistical methodology used for doing these surveys which any of us that are familiar with the H2A program and see how what's been happening in Washington and Oregon um, with our runaway wages, we are predicting this lower threshold of methodology is only going to cause those to go up that much more. And so uh, we are all communicating as ag advocate associations, um, people looking out for the industry on trying to figure out, you know, and then stack overtime on top of that in our state. Right. Yeah. And so we're all looking for ways to try and slow, slow that, um, fast burning candle on those wages. So, well, it, and, and what's in the balance, what hangs in the balance is the future of farming and producing food here in Washington state, because there, it, it can't just infinitely continue to increase in cost, 
Um, there is a point when it's just not possible to do it. And businesses, farmers, folks just won't be able to continue growing various kinds of food, depending on what it is and how labor intensive it is here in Washington. If this continues on the path that it's on, I don't think that's something that anyone wants. At least I certainly hope not. Uh, Enrique Gastelum with Wafla. Thank you for your time on the program this morning. Um, and we'll be checking back as we head toward, you know, we got another farming season ahead. And I'm sure there will be plenty of twists and turns. But we appreciate your uh, time checking in and uh, filling us in on the latest here this morning. Great. Thanks, Dylan. I hope you have a great new year. And thanks for thanks for having me on.